Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Vihare Jaya Radha Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Vihare Jaya Radha Madhava Gopi Janavalabha Jaya Giri Jaya Giri Vadadhari Gopi Janavalabha Giribadha Ranjana Yashodanandana Vajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tiravana Chari Jai Kunja Vihare Yamuna Tiravana Radhaman Hava Jaya Kunja Vihari Jaya Radha Man Hava Jaya Kunja Vihari Jaya Vishnupad Paramahamsa his Divine Grace, Shilesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Jayam Vishnupad Paramahamsa, Pridajikacharya Shota Shishimad, His Divine Grace, Srila Bhaktivedanta Sarasati Goswami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki, Jai. Gantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki, Gaura Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shishi Guru and Guranga. 
All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Srimad Bhagavatam class, uh, we're continuing our study of first canto, first chapter, text number one. Started yesterday on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Janmad asya yato nyavad itaras itarteshu abhigya swarat. Tene brahma hridaya adhikavaye muyanti at suryaha tejo vari miridam yata vinimayo yatrachisargam risha. Dhamna svena sada nerasta kuhakam satyam param dimahi. Okay, so translation. O my Lord, Sri Krishna, son of Vasudev, O all-pervading personality of Godhead, I have offered my respectful obeisances unto you. I meditate upon Lord Sri Krishna because he is the absolute truth and the primeval cause of all causes of the creation, sustenance, and the destruction of the manifested universes. He is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations, and he is independent because there is no other cause beyond him. It is he only who first imparted the Vedic knowledge unto the heart of Brahmaji, the original living being. By him, even great sages and demigods are placed into illusion as one is bewildered by the illusory representations of water seen in fire or land seen on water. Only because of him do the material universes temporally manifested by the reactions of the three modes of nature appear factual, although they are unreal. I therefore meditate upon him, Lord Sri Krishna, who is eternally existent in the transcendental abode which is forever free from the illusory representations of the material world. I meditate on, upon him, for he is the absolute truth. So this verse is the preface of the Bhagavatam. These first three verses, as we discussed yesterday, this one deals with Sambandha, second one with Puranic literature. Puranic literature means there has to be ten things that are covered. Uh, one of them is creation. 
So you find uh, second canto, third canto, uh, they deal with creation. Then you have uh, maintenance. That's something else that should be covered in the Bhag- in Puranic literature. So you have uh, maintenance. For example, Krishna um, describes the geography of the universe in the fifth canto. He also describes the Manus who is maintaining the the human society, populating them. So that's in uh, second, third canto, fourth canto, fifth canto, sixth canto, seventh canto, eighth canto, ninth canto. All so much about the Manus. You have um, understanding of the super soul. That's also maintenance and. You have uh, Krishna appearing and uh, reestablishing religious principles. That's also maintenance. Destruction, that's in 12th canto. Um, you have, there, I don't remember all 10 topics, but there's different, different these 10 topics. And one of the main one is what is the uh, Shraya, what is the ultimate shelter? And that's the 10th canto. Krishna is the ultimate shelter of everything. And because uh, the Bhagavatam is many layers, it's not, and you start off with a very general understanding here. Krishna, God is the source of everything. Creation, maintenance, and destruction. I think most religions would agree with that. God is the source of everything. He's conscious of everything. Most religions would agree with that. So it starts off very general. This one verse and then the same verse becomes very, very uh, refined over and over and over again. So the translations of it, the Acharyas on this verse, some of them explain it in a very general way how you know Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. That even that's quite confidential. But even even more so, they get into depth saying that this. They explain Jiva Goswami and Vrishnachakvati Thakur to explain how this this verse is talks about the pastimes of Krishna. So Janma, in the verse where it says, talks of the word Janma related to creation, Jiva Goswami has a, a, an additional two different translations of that, where he says Janma is related to Krishna. He's taking birth. Um, um, in Mathura, to get, and then he, and to get, uh, getting away from Kamsa, there's a whole extended translation of that one. And when it says he he bewilders great demigods like Lord Brahma, it talks, he talks about the Brahma stealing the cowherd boys and how he uh, became bewildered by that. So yesterday we read the preface. Today we can read. Some of the forward and some of the introduction. Forward. This Bhagavat Purana is brilliant as the sun. It has arisen just after the departure of Lord Krishna to his own abode, accompanied by religion, knowledge, etc. Person who lo- persons who have lost their vision to the dense darkness of ignorance in this age of Kali shall get light from this Purana. So Narada Muni had compiled, I not Narada Muni, Vyasadeva. He had compiled all the Vedas. It was um, one spoken, one body of spoken knowledge. So he is Vyas. He has edited or he has organized this information in the various Vedic literatures. 
you have the original Shrutis, so that's the Vedas and Upanishads, and then you have the Smritis, the Puranas, Itihastas, and other literature. And the whole idea is that people can become elevated. But as we know in this this first canto, he he feels dissatisfied, like he did not achieve his purpose, and he was then uh, met with by his spiritual master, and his spiritual master, Narada Muni, said, you, you've actually encouraged people in materialism in the name of religion. People won't. Kali Yuga people are manda. They're very lazy. So if you, like Ayan spoke similar to the way Krishna spoke in the Bhagavad Gita, where he talks about, you know, first some karma yoga, then Krishna starts talking about jnana yoga, then Krishna starts talking about bhakti yoga, so the Vedas, in a similar way, are speaking on different paths in a progressive way. But they're so vast that a person will just hear one and just say, okay, that's it. I guess I just do this ritual. and that's, you know, They won't actually progress from one level to the next, and especially in Kali Yuga. And therefore, Narada Muni said, you just have to make it just one, uh, one uh, person, one object of worship. Because you have the Puranas in the mode of ignorance, Puranas in the mode of passion, and Puranas in the mode of goodness. You have literature written for all classes of people. But it's not actually working. They, they don't go to the next level, to the next level. So present a literature and where Krishna is the only goal. Even if you're in the mode of ignorance, just worship Krishna. Even if you're in your mode of passion, just worship Krishna. Because the other paths, you're not going to get anywhere. Oh. The path that takes many, many lifetimes, bahunam, janmanam, ante, after many, many lifetimes, doesn't work in Kali Yuga. So you just, you, you just gotta give them Krishna, uh, nothing less. The timeless wisdom of India is expressed in the Vedas, ancient Sanskrit texts that touch upon all fields of human knowledge. Originally, Preserved through oral tradition, the Vedas were first put into writing 5,000 years ago by Srila Vyasadev, the literary incarnation of God. After compiling the Vedas, Vyasadev set forth their essence in the aphorisms known as Vedanta Sutra. Therefore, the verse, the first verse, uh, so the, uh, the elaboration of the Vedas, the essence of the Vedas is contained in the Vedanta Sutra. Therefore, the Bhagavatam's first line Janmad Asuyataha is referring to the second verse of the Vedanta Sutra. And similarly, the, the Gayatri is considered also the explanation of the Vedas. And then the last line is going to the Gayatri. Srimad Bhagavatam is Vyasadeva's commentary on his own Vedanta Sutra. So why is this... Um, that that sentence there is quite important because <clears throat> the uh, most popular um, or influential commentary in India in in uh, old times and possibly even today is the commentary given by uh, Srila uh, Shankaracharya. Is the most the Sharyakabhasya, which Lord Chaitanya advises his devotees not even to, to, to look at. Don't even, don't read that. And so, uh, 
Srila Shankaracharya, he is actually Lord Shiva himself. He is an empowered incarnation. And he's empowered to bring back the, the Vedic following, which was people became distant towards, towards the Vedic tradition by the influence of another divine incarnation known as Buddha. And, but he presented it to a Buddhist audience, a very uh, non-theistic audience. So he presented Vedas uh, without using his uh, superintelligence, erasing the personal conception of God from the picture. Therefore, Srila Shankaracharya, he actually never comments on the Bhagavatam because the Bhagavatam is written in a very, very clear manner. He did do a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Mostly the, the impersonalists, they're concerned with the original uh, Vedic literature, such as Upanishads and the four Vedas. So they don't, they don't even, they're not so concerned with the Puranas. So Vyasadeva, he actually, he wrote the, the Vedanta Sutra, and the Bhagavatam is an elaboration on his own book. And you can, there are verse by verse correlations that you can see. There's every verse of the Vedanta Sutra has two, one or two verses that are corresponding to the verses in the Bhagavatam to elaborate and explain. Because Sutra is also another genre of literature. It's not meant to be understood by itself. It's, it's meant to be, it's, it's so packed full in with, uh, it's kind of like, you like you memorize the index of a book. That doesn't mean you know what the book is about. Unless you, so, the sutra helps a person kind of compartmentalize information. But sutras are meant to be understood by by through bhashas or commentaries. So, his own commentary, natural commentary, his own explanation of his own book is this Bhagavatam. Who could explain? a person's book better than their, the author himself. It is, it's, it is written in the maturity of his, of his spiritual life under the direction of Narada Muni, his spiritual master, referred to as the Galitam Halam, the ripened fruit of the tree of Vedic wisdom, Srimad Bhagavatam, is the, mo, is the most complete and authoritative exposition of Vedic knowledge. After compiling Bhagavatam, Vyasa imparted the synopsis of it to his son, the sage Shukadeva Goswami. Shukadeva Goswami subsequently recited the entire Bhagavatam to Maharaj Brikshit. So, due to the influence of Shukadeva Goswami, the Bhagavatam even got more sweeter. An assembly of learned saints on the banks of the Ganges at Hastinapur. Now, Delhi. Maharaj Prikshit was an emperor of the world and he was a great Rajarishi. Having received a warning that he would die within a week, he renounced his entire kingdom and retired to the bank of the Ganges to fast until death and received spiritual enlightenment. The Bhagavatam begins with Emperor Prikshit's sober inquiry to Shukadeva Goswami. Quote, you are the spiritual master of great saints and devotees. I am therefore begging you to show the way of perfection for all persons, especially for one who is about to die. Please let me know what, ma what a man should hear, chant, remember, and worship 
And also, what should he do? Please explain this all to me. So Sukadev Goswami was very happy with that question. He says, actually, that, that question is very pertinent to everyone because everyone is about to die. You might not be conscious of that. Shukadev answered this answers to this question and numerous other questions posed by Maharaj Brikshit concerning everything from the nature of the self to the origin of the universe held the assembled sages and rapt attention continuously for seven days leading up to the king's death. The sage Shuta Goswami, who was present in that assembly, when Shukadev Goswami first recited Bhagavatam, later repeated the Bhagavatam before a gathering of sages and the forest of Naimi Sharanya. I think that's uh, almost a thousand years later that was recited at Naimi Sharanya. Those sages concerned about the spiritual welfare of the people in general had gathered to perform a long, continuous chain of sacrifices to counteract the degrading influence of the incipient age of Kali. In response to the sage's request that he speak the essence of Vedic wisdom, Sutta Goswami repeated from memory the entire 18,000 verses of Srimad Bhagavatam as spoken by Shukadev Goswami to Maharaj Prakshit. The reader of the Srimad Bhagavatam hears Sutta Goswami relate the questions of Maharaj Prakshit and the answers of Shukadev Goswami. Also, Sutta Goswami sometimes responds directly to the questions put by Shanakarishi, the spokesman for the sages gathered at Naimi Sharanya. One therefore simultaneously hears two dialogues, one between Maharaj Prakshit and Sukadev Goswami on the banks of the Ganges, and another at Naimi Sharanya, between Sutta Goswami and the sages of Naimi Sharanya forest, headed by Shanakarishi. Furthermore, while instructing King Prakshit, Sukadev Goswami often relates historical episodes and gives accounts of lengthy philosophical discussions between great souls such as Narada, Muni, and Vasudev. With this understanding of the history of the Bhagavatam, the reader will easily be able to follow its intermingling of dialogues and the events from various sources. Since philosophical wisdom, not chronological order, is most important in the text, one need only to be attentive to the subject matter of the Srimad Bhagavatam to fully appreciate its uh, to appreciate fully its profound message. Translators of this edition compare Bhagavatam to sugar candy. Wherever you taste it you will find find equally sweet and relishable. Therefore to taste the sweetness of Bhagavatam one may begin by by reading any of its volumes. And after such an introductory taste, however, the serious reader is best advised to go back to the first canto and then proceed through the Bhagavatam canto after canto in its natural order. So Krishna in the chapter 10 of Bhagavad Gita, he says, let's see, one second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he was there in the assembly. He was one of the fellows there. 
Okay, here he goes. Etam viputam yogam cha mamayoveti tatvata sovikalpena yogena yujatena trashamshaya. One who is factually convinced of this opulence and mystic power of mine engages in unalloyed devotional service. Of this, there is no doubt. So, by understanding how great is the personality Krishna, it it qualifies us and it it ent- it pushes us towards a loving service to the Lord. And therefore, you know, ninth cant, not first nine cantos are dealing with the, the greatness of the Lord. Like Prabhupada said, many people say, how that God is great, but not many people know, can explain how great is God. You, know, you say God is great, therefore, let's hear some glorification. Oh, I don't know. I just say God is great again. No, let's hear, like, how, how is he great? He's so great that with a single fragment of himself, he he expands into forms so uh, so large that universes come out of his pores, and then he enters. So there's you know, these are descriptions of that give some understanding of how great God is. It's just like you find out um, that somebody that you've become friends with, uh, you find out that he's actually a, a multi-billionaire. You didn't know. You didn't know about this. You guys kind of met at a, you know, at a caffeine-free cafe, <laughs> and you became friends. And and then you then you find out. You know, you, have, you, became, you know, you often met there. But then you find out this guy's a billion. You're like, wow, my friend is so amazing. You find out that he, you know, he did all these amazing things, and he, you know. Whatever people think is amazing, hiking Mount Everest, and etc. And so it deepens your appreciation for that person. This edition of the Bhagavatam is the first complete English translation of this important work uh, text with an elaborate commentary and is the first widely available to the English speaking public. The first 12 volumes, Canto 1. Canto 10, Part 1, are the product of the scholarly and devotional effort of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, the founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and the world's most distinguished teacher of Indian religious and philosophical thought. His consummate Sanskrit scholarship and intimate familiarity with Vedic culture and thought, as well as the modern way of life, combined to reveal to the West a magnificent exposition of this important classic. So you find the Vedic literature, it's very secretive. uh, That was the the instruction of Narada to Vyasa, is that there's all this literature, but people aren't getting the point. It's uh, the actual... Essence, uh, the highest teachings are not very clearly explained. Because and one, one reason it's not clearly explained is it takes some qualification. So that it, it's not meant to be presented in, in such a rough manner to everyone. But Prabhupada is so empowered that he takes the most 
esoteric teachings of the Vedas and presents it to everyone in a way that actually people can digest it. So if a person spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours reading thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of Vedic literature, they still they wouldn't have this understanding. It's as if someone just opened one of Prabhupada's books and get the highest essence right there from the start in a way that, you know, a person with no previous samskaras of, you know, being born in a Vedic tradition and their parents did the the Garbhadam samskara and they were given a Brahmin thread and all that stuff. No, just like ordinary Joe on the street can read it and, and digest it. After the departure of Srila Prabhupada from this world in 1977, his monumental work of translating and annotating Srimad Bhagavatam had been continued by his disciple, Hiranandas Goswami and Gopi Puranadana Das. The readers will find this work of a value for many reasons. For those interested in the classical roots of Indian civilization, it serves as a vast reservoir of detailed information on virtually every one of its aspects. For students of comparative philosophy and religion, the Bhagavatam's offering offers a penetrating view into the meaning of Indian's, India's spirit, profound spiritual heritage. To sociologists and anthropologists, the Bhagavatam reveals practical workings of a peaceful and scientifically organized Vedic culture whose institutions were integrated on the basis of highly developed spiritual worldview. Students of literature will discover the Bhagavatam to be a masterpiece of majestic poetry. So, uh, Garuda Prabhu, uh, Graham Schweig Prabhu, you know, he's a PhD in, in Indian philosophy. And so he accounts that there's, he knows uh, a, a, a scholar of poetry. This is a, a, one of the leading scholars in the world on poetry. This scholar studies poetry in 17 different languages. And not in a lecture, not in a talk, but in his book. And, you know, professors, uh, uh, they don't take lightly what they write in academic literature. So he, he writes in, 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 in one book that the best... Uh, poetry can be found in the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is a, one of the leading scholars on poetry. This guy is an atheist. And he says, 10th canto Srimad Bhagavatam is the best poetry. And usually also he says scholars are, do not speak in those terms generally. Oh, this is the best. But he says... This is the best poetry. The guy's not even a believer. He's a complete atheist. I can get his name for you. No one interested. Uh, so students, will, students of literature will discover that Bhagavatam to be a masterpiece of majestic poetry. I mean, just imagine this verse, this first verse. I'm, tenth Canto, you have these really, really beautiful. But the, this first verse... It's, it's so extraordinary. How can you write one thing and then you take the rules of Sanskrit and grammar uh, 
And you turn that sentence into something completely different. One is like Krishna is the source of everything. The other one is the baby was born in Mathura and now he's going to Vrindavan uh, and then to Dwarka. You know. It's completely different translations using the exact same Sanskrit words. Totally different. And it's not just one and two. It's multiple. It's, it's quite exotic. It's quite majestic. Majestic not in just the name of... Uh, uh, some glorification, but it is like magic. Who can who can write something like that? Completely different meanings that are that can be verified just by grammar. To the students of psychology, the text provides important perspectives on the nature of consciousness, human behavior, and the philosophical study of identity. And finally, for those seeking spiritual insight, the Bhagavatam offers simple and practical guidance for attainment for the highest self. So that, that's another topic of Puranic literature, moksha, that's spoken extensively in the 11th canto. Knowledge and realization of the absolute truth. The entire multi-volume text presented by Bhaktivedanta Book Trust promises to occupy a significant place in the intellectual, cultural, and spiritual life of modern man for a long time to come. That was the foreword in the Bhagavatam itself, written by the publishers. So that's on page one. And so here I have Vishnath Chakravati Thakur's uh, his Shrata Darshani. This is his Commentary on the, the Bhagavatam. Uh, Vishnat Chakravati Thakur. Translated by Banu Swami. And we did not, we didn't read any of this yesterday. We looked at, uh, from Purijan Prabhu's study guide, which, uh, he gave some different translations from, uh, Vish, uh from Jiva Goswami. So I'm going to skip. He has some glorification in the beginning. Okay, so it is not so surprising that this popularly read scripture has the qualities of the absolute entity Brahman, comparable to the fruit of a desire tree, a lamp, and the sun. I praise this work, which assumes the form of Mohini, and the assembly of devas and demigods, demons, giving sweet topics of the Lord to the devotees and denying them to the demons. So Mohini, she gave nectar to the demigods and cheated the demons. So similarly, um, those who are very demoniac, they won't they won't have access to the uh, sweet nectar that's there in the Bhagavatam. It'll be hidden to them. Well, if they're if they're like really demoniac, I know it'll some it'll work on them, but yeah, yeah, it makes it yeah. Even for the atheists, yeah, yeah, that's a special potency of Prabhupada is able to. Swayam Bhagavan 
the sweet I mean, the, generally the atheists will think of all different reasons why usually they're um, they 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 have some problems with Abrahamic religions and when they read this they're like wait a minute okay I guess all my different ideas I, uh, for example there was one devotee and he uh, was very antagonistic towards other devotees. He even spoke ill of his spiritual master. And usually when someone goes that route, they end up leaving Krishna consciousness, uh, even some becoming atheists. And so that's what happened to him. He became an atheist. And he wasn't just a, a regular atheist, he was an active atheist. So he would participate in forums and stuff like that. And then he was kind of disappointed. He thought, man, these atheists, they don't know, like, they really don't have anything comprehensive uh, to address the information found in Vaishnavism. So he brought that up. He discussed with the other other atheists in his group. And by discussing it, he ended up preaching to himself and he became back to being a Vaishnava. <laughs> Saying, you guys don't really know, like, you don't really have company. And he just basically preached himself back to be a devotee. <laughs> uh, somebody I know, some devotee that I know, is, is sometimes mind is coming in and out towards Krishna. You know, so, but, yeah. So we'll read some more here. Swayam Bhagavan, the sweet ocean of the auspicious, all auspicious qualities, the king holding the greatest power, the most splendid sun, shone and then disappeared at scheduled times over the earth. The meaning of various pastimes, Puranas and Tihasas, placed in three groups, just as men are classified into three groups, like night Night, night watchmen guarding the treasure of satisfaction of the heart. But through time, destiny, and appearance of irregularity and even laziness, some of the meanings have fallen into deep sleep. This is kind of uh, difficult to follow. Consequently, this great treasure, the satisfaction of the hearts of all people and the authors of the works, had been stolen by those who appear like thieves and giving wrong interpretations to those scriptures. This is understood from the following. Jigupsitam dharmakrite nushatata sashata subhava raktasya mahan vatikrama People in general are naturally inclined to enjoy... Oh, this is the Narada speaking to Vyas. Uh saying this is verily abominable, jugupsitam, that people in general are inclined towards uh, materialistic enjoyment. Sam, Hare Krishna. And so you have encouraged him in the name of religion. So this this sweet treasure... Uh, for the heart is being stolen. However, under these conditions, the Lord makes his appearance. Yada, yada, hi dharmasya. 
Whenever there's a destruction of dhar and dharma, O uh, Bharat, and a rise of adharma, I manifest in my own body. As well, according to the Gita, the Lord comes to save the devotees and destroy the demons. Just as he appears for the, these purposes as machi among the fish, varaha among the animals, hamsa among the birds, and Swayam Bhagavan, Krishna among humans, and Upendra among devas. So the Lord has now appeared as the crown jewel of scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam, among the Vedas, for restoring dharma and delivering the devotees. Krishna swadharma opakate dharma jnana deepi saha kalo nastadrisham esha punar kod dunoditaha. This Bhagavad Purana is brilliant as a sun and as a risen just after the departure of Lord Krishna to his own abode, accompanied by religion, knowledge, etc., persons who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of ignorance in the age of Kali shall get light from this Purana. This indicates that Bhagavatam is another form of Krishna, similar to the oneness of I and mine. Krishna and the book about Krishna. Thus, it bears no comparison with other works. Krishna has appeared in as Bhagavat, Bhagavatam through Shukadeva and Pariksha. Like the sun among, other, among the planets, it shines among the Puranas. It has 12 forms, volumes. And just as the sun has 12 forms for each of the month of the, each months of the year, with 18,000 verses like its leaves, is appeared like a desire tree to fill the goals of great devotees. So now he gives his first explanation of the verse. There's a little glorification now he's going to give some. Um, In the beginning of the work, the author, Sri Krishna Dvaipayan, the crown jewel among acharyas, invokes auspiciousness, auspiciousness with meditation on his cherished deity. Param means to the highest limit. Satyam means that supreme Lord who exists in all time and space. Dimahi means let us worship or meditate on. The plural indicates that all the jivas continuing in time and space as part of, as part of one's own group and thus indicates teaching them meditation by these instructions. The meaning of the sutra, Atato Brahma Jigyasa, is indicated from this, since meditation alone is the result of inquiry. So the first verse of Vedanta Sutra is Atato Brahma Jigyasa. When I was uh, 18 years old, I had a Hare Krishna punk rock band, and we had a song called Brahma Janasa, because I didn't know how to say it. So it wasn't, yeah. Now it's like the chorus. Brahma Janasa means, Atato Brahma Janasa means we should inquire, like, what's, what's, what's life all about? That was, one, that was like the chorus for the song. In Portland, Oregon. Yeah. The Lord's supreme power is indicated in this verse with the word, Janmada Yataha. Vedanta Sutra 112. 
Let us meditate upon the Supreme Lord, from whom Yetaha arises creation, maintenance, and destruction, Janmadari, of the universe, Asya. Should they, should they meditate on time, which causes all this? There's a question there. No. The Lord is the cause, because he is the material and efficient cause. Anviyad itarascha. So this is an uh, expansion. Anyad itaras. Meaning anvanya vyadireka. Which in talking about causality can refer to the cause and effect. The Lord in relation to the universe is like the earth, which as a material cause is inherent in the pot. And the pot, which as an effect is inherent in its material cause. Upadana karana. The word cha indicates efficient cause. Nimitta karana, which is time. Because the Lord takes the form of time to influence prakriti. Thus the Lord is the cause by being the material and the efficient cause. So there's a, there's a translation, if you remember in the translation, it says Krishna is directly and indirectly conscious of everything in the universe. So um, if someone pinches you, you are, you are directly conscious of it, you feel it. You're indirectly conscious of it because you can see the person pinching you. So Krishna is uh, there's there's the that thing that is being pinched, the matter, the person who is witnessing it, and the person who is experiencing it. And so Krishna is all those things. So he's directly and indirectly. Uh, uh, conscious of everything in this universe. This universe is Him. We only see by the mercy of the Paramatma. So He sees what we see. We only experience by the mercy of... So He can feel what we feel. And He is also Drishna. He is witnessing. Or the word Anviya, meaning... In, in, Inclusion or entrance into can indicate the Lord is the cause and destruction of everything uh, because everything enters the Lord. The universes enter into the Lord at destruction and issues from Him at the time of creation. Itarataha then indicates divisions of matter taking place at the level of secondary creation outside of the Lord. That means that the Lord is the basis of the whole universe. Just as water is the basis of earth and fire is the basis of water. Thus the Lord is that person from whom creation, maintenance and destruction take place because everything is contained within him. And everything in the secondary creation is outside of him but based on him. Itarataha. Or the word anvaya, meaning sequence, can mean that the Lord is creation and destruction. Janmadi. 
because he is the whole sequence of creation, maintenance, and destruction. The Lord enters into the universe as the final agent of causality. In the process of creation, he enters the universe as the final agent for dispensing results of action and maintenance. And he enters in the universe in the form of Lord Shiva as the final agent in the process of destruction. In this explanation, it should be understood that the the cause includes within itself the effect. And the Lord is the cause enters into into the effect of the universe. Thus the Lord is identified as creation, maintenance, and destruction of the universe. The universe itself is kept at a distance from the surupa of the Lord by the use of the descriptive word itarataha, different. Since the creation and maintenance and destruction of the universe is different from the Lord's surupa shakti. Meaning the Lord has aloof, he's not not entangled, it's not like he's really, it's, it's happening according to his desire and will. And Prabhupada gave a really nice explanation of this. He said, uh, he said, I'm just an ordinary person. But all the activities in ISKCON are happening because of my disciples' love for me. So similarly, Krishna, his energies are working for his desire. But that it's not that he is actually doing anything. He doesn't have to do anything. Uh, like we say, where do you find the CEO of a billion-dollar company? Golf course, yeah. There we go. <laughs> he's, uh, he's having lunch with his friends. Yeah. Maybe he's out dancing. Cha indicates non-different from the Maya Shakti. Thus, Anvayad Itarata Cha means the Lord is a creator, maintainer, and destroyer. Since he is non-different from the universe in its phases of creation, maintenance, and destruction, but this universe is different from his Swarupa and non-different from his Maya Shakti. Thus, in the first line, the two Vedanta Sutras Vidan Janmad Asya and uh, Tattu Sam Man Vyayat have been spoken. So the first two verses of Vedanta Sutra are being referred to in this verse so far. Now he's quoting something. But if the Supreme Lord is said to be the material cause of the universe, he should be devoid of change. Therefore, one should not say that the Supreme Lord is the efficient and Prakriti is one. Therefore, should one not say that the Supreme Lord is efficient and Prakriti is the material cause? So this is Vishnu Chakravati Thakur. To clarify, he'll often use what is called Purva Paksha. He'll present a opposing opinion. Sometimes it's a form of Arjuna in the purport, saying, well, what about this? And then he shows how Krishna's verse answers all different questions. How in in one Sanskrit verse, 
Krishna is answering so many doubts that are unspoken. So here's a, a Purva Paksha. Shouldn't you say that Krishna is um, is the efficient cause and Prakriti, nature, is the material cause? No, it's not so. The Shrutis say, Sarva Gya Sarva Vit. He who is omniscient knows all. Sa Ikshata Lokan. He glanced over the world and then created. And Tad Akshata Bahusham Prajetayaya. He glanced and said, Let me be many. Let me create progeny. This verse, verses indicate that only a conscious entity is the cause of the universe. Thus the Lord is the cause of both the material cause and the efficient cause of the universe. Since Prakriti is a Shakti of the Lord and Shakti and the possessor of the Shakti are non-different. The Lord is the material cause through Prakriti, but the Lord remains unchanged in spite of being the material cause because of his very nature. He transcends Prakriti. This is explained by the Lord. Prakriti yasya padanam adhara purusha para sato bhivya janakas kalo brahmatat chityayam tvaham Prakriti is the material cause and the Purusha is the foundational cause. Time, the indirect cause, is the agitator of Prakriti. And I am all three. So all of those things are me. So Krishna speaks a little bit about this in on the uh, ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He says, Mayatam idam sarvam By this um, but in my unmanifested form, I pervade all the universes. All things are in me, but I am not in them. And he, in this section of Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text number 4, text number 5, text number 6, he talks about his nature of being a controller, making things happen, and being aloof. And it is said to be uh, inconceivable. It's inconceivable. And then he gives an example, an analogy. Now, if you give an analogy for something, aren't you making it conceivable? Conceivable? If something's inconceivable, and then you give an analogy, are you not making it somehow conceivable? So um, the analogy that Krishna gives is that you have, uh, he says, space and air. Or Bhuri uh, um, Prabhu says, like, the atmosphere, our atmosphere is like a bowl. You know, you put you know, above us is like, is like a bowl. And the wind is flowing freely through the atmosphere. But it doesn't, it is also limited. It doesn't go beyond the atmosphere. 
So it has freedom and it's controlled. And the atmosphere is not affected by the the it's it's controlling of the the wind. Our space is not affected by the wind, but wind is being affected by space. And so he said, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that this this analogy gives us a hint, because nowhere in in existence do you find somebody controlling somebody else, controlling something else, and not being implicated in that relationship, not being affected by the fact that they're controlling. So how is this analogy not contradicting the idea that uh, aren't you not making it conceivable? No, because wind is not an actual living being. Space is not a living being. It may be controlled by a living being, but it's not a living being. Oxygen is not a living being. And therefore, it is just a hint it, it it's a it's an exa- it's an analogy hinting to, to be similar to the quality of the supreme personality of Godhead. Therefore, it is still uh, beyond the conception of anything found in this world, inconceivable, because only Krishna is the is that entity where you can find somebody controlling something and not being implicated or affected by that relationship of control. Um, yeah. We'll continue. I had something that might disappeared from my brain. Scripture does not state that prakriti is the material cause, independent. Oh, here's here's another example: is um, analogy the comparing the analogy to if you say the moon, like the moon has risen, you know, across the horizon, and someone says, "Where's the moon?" You say, "It's just by that branch there." You see that tree, and by the branch, you know, and you can, therefore you see the moon. It's right, you know. But it's not really by that branch. So similarly, the the analogy is not fully comparable to Krishna. So it still doesn't counteract it, contradict the idea that the, the the understanding is inconceivable. Scripture does not state that prakriti is the material cause independently. The Lord, conscious of all things, is alone the cause of the universe by his independence. Unconsciousness, unconscious prakriti is not the cause. Therefore, the verse says that the Lord is fully conscious of concerning all matters relating to creation and destruction of all real objects are teshu. This statement illustrates the meaning of ikshater nashabdam. Being described in the scriptures, the Lord is not beyond the description of words, though he remains beyond the material. 
The meaning of this sutra is this. The Brahman, which was discussed as the cause of the universe, which was discussed is the cause of the universe. Why? Because of seeing, because of the specialized conclusions arising from seeing. In other words, from hearing about the Lord in the statements of Shruti, which describe him as the cause of the universe, therefore Brahman is not indescribable. It is not that the Lord cannot be proved by authoritative words. He can be proved by the scriptures. So it's not easy to understand subject matter here. Uh, this is also related to um, one of the last chapters of the 10th Ganto or Krishna book where the, the Vedas ask this question. If words, if sound is um, material, then how can sound speak about God? Because he's spiritual. And then, uh, one of the conclusions is that everything comes from Krishna, therefore uh, he, he that that's that sound can be um, can be revive its original spiritual quality. The Shruti state that the conscious Lord is the cause. Tat akshatam bahusham pariyaya he glanced over at prakriti. May I become many. Let me create progeny. Sad evam samo ye daham agra asid. O gentle one, the eternal Lord existed before this universe. Atmava eka idam eva eka egraha asit. The Lord existed before this universe. These are different uh, references, mainly to the Chandoga Upanishad. Tasmadva etasyam atmanam akshata sambhuta. From that, the Lord arose from ether. Now, for, for the Vaishnavas, we take Puranas and Vedas of same authority. No, it's quite equal. But for many of the impersonalists, they, they, real authority comes from the Shruti, the original Vedas, which include the, the Vedas, include Upanishads. Or many of the Upanishads are in the actual Veda itself. From that the Lord arose the uh, from the Lord that Lord arose ether. Yatova Imani Bhutani Jayante from the Lord all creatures arise. And the Smriti says Yatasarvani Bhutani Bhavanti Adi Yugagame Yasmincha Pralayam Yanti Pona Eva Yugekshaye From the Lord all creatures arise at the beginning of the first Yuga. And in him the merge at the time of universal destruction. This is also similar to a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, I think nine eight or nine seven. Should we continue on? Finish? That is um there's like another three pages. That's explaining the first explanation of the verse. And then there's the second explanation. Then it gets more like uh, like rasa, you know, Krishna. Less technical relating to, um, you know, how the universe started. You can see this. How the universe started is it's kind of a, not a simple matter. 
than this. I think he gives, let's see, I think he gives five explanations of the verse. And you see, we're looking at the first explanation, and then the, the, it's considered the first explanation, but even that word, anvaya, he gives like three different explanations of that word, word, and that's still in the category of the first explanation. This page is stuck together. Fourth explanation. And it goes all the way to fifth explanation. I don't think we have. Yeah, I can. I can. I can. Yeah, I can. I can actually send this book PDF if they want to look at it. Let me. I'll just read a little bit more here. One, one may object that since the Mahatattva and other elements have not arisen, the Lord could not have a body which could perform actions. Therefore, the verse says that the Lord is independent, Swarat. He controls everything by himself, Swayam Rajati, through his spiritual Swarupa, non-different from himself. Thus, the Shruti says, Natasya Karam Karanam Chavidyate, Prabhupada likes to quote that verse. In the Lord, there is no material or uh, cause and effect. He is his own inherent knowledge, has his own inherent knowledge, strength, and actions. So he has his own powers. He's not, he doesn't have a material body. One may object that the creation of the universe, that in the creation of the universe, so this is basically, he's presenting. Uh, he is counteracting all different atheistic points of view that are Vedic in origin. Because, you know, we're, we're meant to also use uh, our knowledge and counter, you know, the Ved- Prabhupada said, Bhagavatam, one should be competent, we read yesterday, to, to counteract atheistic thought. And so there's, there's uh, the... Um, six different darshans of the Vedas, and there are others that are just atheistic. Vedanta is the one that's not atheistic. The, uh, the karma mimamsas are atheistic. The, um, the followers of uh, Vaisheshika is atheistic. The, fo- the followers of um, um, Sankhya. Yeah. And so here it's, it is proving that no, no, no. There is a, there is a creator behind everything, and so there are very technical understandings of how everything came through, and this is proving that there is a boss behind it all. One may object in the creation of the universe. One should understand that Lord Brahma has independent powers. For in the Shruti, it is said, "Ranyagarbha samavartate agre bhutasya jata." Brahma was born before any other creature. He alone existed. Mahanarayan Upanishad. Therefore, Brahma should be the object of worship. 
This verse answers this objection in the second line. So if somebody has that thought, then the verse in the Bhagavatam says, It is the Lord, Param Satyam, who revealed Tene, the Vedas, Brahma, knowledge of himself, to Brahma, Adi Kavaye. You know, Brahma didn't know anything. It was the Lord who revealed it. Thus, Brahma is dependent on the Lord. One may object that this is well, uh, it is well known that Brahma did not study the Vedas from anyone. That is true. He revealed it in his mind, his heart. This is stated in the Bhagavatam. Prachodita yena pura sarasvati vitan vatasjatasya satyam smritim vidi salakshana pradhurghut kikilasyata same rishinam rishabha prasiddhantam. May the Lord, the best of all sages, be pleased with me, inspired by him at the beginning of the Kalpa, Sarasvati, whose aim is to reveal Krishna, appeared from the mouth of Brahma and revealed proper memory to carry out creation in his heart. Srimad Bhagavatam, 2nd Canto 4.22 As well as Sudrishtam Shiri Meitadeva, why I did not see him in my heart at this time, There's a question there. The meaning of the Gayatri Mantra was revealed to him by that method. It, it is said in the Matsya Purana, Yatra Dikartritas Gayatrim Varnate Dharma Vistara Vitrasura Vadopetam Tad Bhagavatam Ishate. He spoke, Bhagavat, he spoke the Bhagavatam in which the killing of Vitrasura is described and where after starting with Gayatri, Dharma is perfectly elaborated. In another Puran it is said, Granto Stadasha Sahasro Dvadasha Skanda Samhita Hayagriva Brahmavidya Yatra Vita Vadashtata Gayatratya Saram Samarambhashtad Vai Bhagavatam Viduhu the Bhagavatam is understood to be that work starting with the Gayatri Mantra, in which are 18,000 verses and 12 volumes, and in which the spiritual knowledge spoken by Hayagriva and the killing of Ritta is described. Ritasura is uh, the big dragon. He's, he's, um, I, he's not drawn as a dragon, but some other places he's, he's sometimes referred to as a dragon. He was a big demon that was so big he would just take demigods and throw them in his mouth and chomp on them. But he was actually a devotee cursed to become a demon. So he had to take the role of, of fighting with the demigods. Yes, yeah. Uh, he got cursed by uh, Lord Shiva's wife and he was happily took the curse and they're like, look at, you know, look, this is, look at the quality of the devotee. He's just like, yeah, whatever, it's okay. <laughs> Um, and he was he was encouraging Indra, like you know, come on, fight and kill me, so I can get out of this dumb demon body. <laughs> you know, come on, let's fight. You know, don't be discouraged. I know I'm you know kind of beating you right now, but don't be discouraged. You can do it. You can kill me. <laughs> Someone may argue again. This is a purva paksha. Uh, 
opposing opinion and then bring, to bring more clarification. Someone may argue, perhaps Brahma realized the truth of the Vedas on his own from within the mind, just as a person sometimes gets a realization during sleep. To answer this argument, it is then said that Brahma independently does not have the power to realize this knowledge. For even greatly learned are bewildered, so that's his muhyanti, bewildered about this. Yat suryaha muhyanti, the great demigod, surya means demigods. Yat surya muhyanti, the Lord bewilders even the demigods. Not that he's just bewildering to them, he actually, they're all under his maya. It's his energy that everyone is conditioned. This explains the following sutra. Etena tena netarao nu papattate. A jiva is not described in the, in the mantra satyam jnanam anantam brahma because such an interpretation of the mantra is illogical. A lot of this stuff is beyond pay grade here. There is another objection. When we talk about meditation, it indicates that we meditate on an object that has a form. Forms are made of the three gunas of matter and must therefore be temporary. This objection is answered in the third line. It is like reversal or one thing appearing as another. Vinimayaha. Just as light may appear to be like water, or water may appear to be like earth, or earth in forms like glass may appear to be like water to an ignorant person. In this way, one falsely, Misha, thinks that the perfect spiritual form of a Lord to be made of the three gunas, three sarga. Gopal Tapani Upanishad says, Tad ekam govinda, Satchitananda Vigraha Vrindavana Sura Buruha Talasinam I saw that one form of Govinda, a form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss, seated at the base of the desire tree of Vrindavan. Rama Tapani Upanishad says, Arda Matrakarko Mramo Brahmanaidika Daika Vigraha Rama is the half-syllable and form of spiritual bliss. Nrsinga Tapana Upanishad Ritam Satyam Brahma Param Purusham Nikeshri Vigraham The form of Nrsinga is the Supreme Brahman, the, the Purusha, knowledge and truth. So his form, that's what, what's, uh, what's uh, pertinent to that question. That his form is spiritual. Nir dosha purna guna vigraha atmatantro nishchetana atmaka sari guna shahinam ananda matrakara padam mukadhara dihi cha. The Lord has a form full of faultless qualities. Nir dosha. You know, an Ayurveda. What is your dosha? Kapha, pitta. Vata. So dosha means what you have too much of. What's your fault? And the, the kaler dosha nide rajan. This is the world. This 
Kali Yuga is full of doshas, faults. Or there's another verse, or this word dosha in the, um, and there's on the Bhagavad Gita, but there's a, the, uh, the nectar of instruction where the, it is said, Ganga Basham, that the, one does not look at the, the muddy waters of the Ganges and, and think it has faults. One should not look at the apparent doshas or apparent physiological faults in the body of the devotee. And under, so the Lord is near dosha, no faults, poor naguna. He has a form full of faultless qualities, which is independent, devoid of qual- the qualities of lifeless material bodies. In mean, material body, your body is actually dead. It's never alive. It's just like a puppet. Soul is giving the presence of life, but it never was alive. The body is not a living thing. It's not a soul. It's only the soul that is alive. All parts of the body, such as hands, feet, head, and belly, are bliss alone. So his body is just made out of bliss. His hand, his belly, head, and feet. Jhana Bindu Upanishad. Nanda Raja Janadi Satchitananda Vigraha. Krishna has a form of eternality, knowledge, and bliss, which gives joy to the people of Raj. Brahmanda Purana. Sarve nitya sashvatacha dehascha tasya paramatmaha hano padena rahita naiva prakati jaha kwachit. The bodies of the Lord are eternal, unchanging, and devoid of faults. They are never a product of matter. Mahavaraha Purana. This is also stood from the Bhagavatam. Asyapi devo vapusho mad anugrahasya svecha mayasya natu bhuta mayasya kopi neshe mahi tvavashitam manasan antareena sakshat pavaiva kim utat utatma sukhanu bhutehe. My dear Lord, neither I nor anyone else can estimate the potency of this transcendental body of yours, which has shown such mercy to me, and which appears just to fulfill the desires of your pure devotees. Although my mind is completely withdrawn from material affairs, I cannot understand your personal form. How then could I possibly understand the happiness you experience within yourself? It appears that um, they, all the lines appear to be the same length. Like it has some meter that I don't know. And there's other verses in the Bhagavatam that they're, they don't seem to be divided. And if you look at it, it's like the first, few, like in the fifth canto, there's a lot that are don't have any meter. So yeah, I would say it's poetry. And it's a, poetry, yeah. The um, and this refers to actually what Krishna says is the greatest poem is the Gayatri. It says that in the Bhagavad Gita, um, of all poems, I am the Gayatri, and the Gayatri is being expanded upon here. So um, that's uh, specifically Satyam Param Dimahi is there, and then here Guru Janaprabhu's. Let's see. 
Yeah, there's a little more than that. I'm um, unveiling. Let's see. Somewhere I read, where is that? It was uh, explaining how the different elements of the Gayatri are being um, like a Swarat was related to the... So yeah, here, I remember something. Okay, Janmad Asayataha. Uh, and there's uh, this word. It's Argo. Different planetary systems. So, Bhur Bhubha Swaha. We, the different planetary systems. That's one. So they, they, they show uh, several places in the verse that it corresponds to different parts of the Gayatri. But the Dibhi is kind of like the flag of it. Because it's, it's the same word. But other words here correspond to different sections of the of the Gayatri. Well, <laughs> so that's a trisargo. That's related to the Om Bhurbhavaswa, and then Sabatur Varenyam is contained in the Bhagavatam's word Swarat. Referring to the Lord's full independence. Jiva Goswami then compares the Brahma Gayatri's prayerful mood of enlightenment. May the Lord mercifully engage our thoughts and meditation on Him to the words, Tene Brahma Hrida, meaning the Lord enlightens Brahma because of Brahma's prayerful mood. Also says Vyasa words Satyam Param Dimihi. I meditate upon the absolute truth. At both the beginning and the end of the Bhagavatam indicates the Bhagavatam's ultimate objective is meditation on Krishna, because he is he is the absolute truth. That the Brahma Gayatri mantra also uses the word Dimihi indicates the goal of chanting the mantra is the same goal as the Bhagavatam, meditation on Krishna, the absolute truth. Lord Chaitanya says in the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's an explanation of the Brahma Gayatri Mantra. The absolute truth, Satyam Param, indicates the relationship, and we meditate upon him, indicates the execution of devotional service and the ultimate goal of life. No, I think this is this is this is Vyas. This is Vyasadev. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the, the 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 person who at the end of it all who writes it down is still Vyas. So he's like enters into the Bhagavatam in different stages, like he is writing about himself, narrating himself. You know. But the end he's he's writing the whole thing. Yeah. 
It would, it, it would be nice to see like a dialogue tree. Somehow like someone could spend the time just like, like make it, make it, make it visual. No. Oh. Make it, yeah, make it. It would be nice to see it, to see it all visual, you know, make it visual. All right. Anything else? You see, there's. I and we haven't even finished his first explanation. We're almost finished, but ready? Om Tat Sat. Thanks a lot. Hare Krishna.